Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program for Catholic men by Catholic men. I'm Matt Palmer. I'm one of our co-hosts. I'm with the Diocese of Columbus, our Catholic men's ministry, and I'm joined uh, by my co-host and a dear brother in Christ, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, good morning, brother. Good morning, Matt. God bless you. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll get our guest introduced in just a minute. I also want to recognize our third partner, St. Gabriel Radio, who um, who supports us and uh, provides all the recording for this program, and we're so grateful to St. Gabriel Radio, 820 AM here in the state of Ohio. But uh, Devin, why don't you open us uh, with prayer, and then we'll introduce our guest, and uh, I'm excited to share uh, Deacon Dennis's story. So, But would you open us, Devin, with prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we believe that you are eternal, self-giving love, and that you want us to ex- experience that exchange of love for all eternity, that you are God of glory, and our lives are meant to be manifestations of that glory. So we beg that you would inspire us, that we may glorify you right now. And in glorifying you, Lord, please glorify us. Please open our hearts to whatever message you have for us, that will allow us to experience your love to the full. We ask this in Jesus' name. And Mama Mary and St. Joseph, please pray for us. Mm. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Well, Deacon Dennis Lambert from the Diocese of Phoenix, good morning, brother. How are you today out there? Oh, I am doing very, very well. Thank you guys for, for having me here this morning. What's uh, what's our weather in Phoenix? I, I'm always monitoring the increasing temperatures out there. How are you doing today? Well, I actually didn't look at the forecast, but it's usually kind of repeat of the, the previous day, although <laughs> of late we're getting a lot of clouds and some rain, actually. It's been kind of a little unprecedented, uh, but expected to be hot today here Good. in Phoenix. Well, this is being recorded in late August uh, for all you brothers that are listening in, so probably a hot day in Phoenix, but warm hearts, ready to hear what our Lord has to say through through Deacon Dennis. So, um, Dennis, maybe uh, let's start with just introducing yourself a little bit about you know your family, but then go back and just take us kind of um, uh, over a brief uh, uh, sharing of your life, you know where you grew up and um, your Catholic faith, your journey with our Lord and the Church. Let's get to the to the present time, and then we'll dig a little deeper into your current ministry and um, two books that you've written that we want to kind of share and pull some pearls of wisdom out for everybody. Um, but but go back and tell us a little bit about your life. Sure. Uh, well, um, again, my wife and I, my wife Debbie and I, have been here in Phoenix since 2000. That so I know it's 22 years. It makes it very simple. Math for me is difficult, but we've been in Phoenix now. Uh, 22 years. Um, We are both from uh, the Chicago area, kind of a suburb north of Chicago. Uh, We will be celebrating our our 40th wedding anniversary in January. Wonderful. And kind of a unique fun thing about us is that we met on what I call a a single blind date in high school. Uh, We went to the the same Catholic high school. In fact, it's Carmel High School in Mundelein, Illinois, right across the street from uh, the seminary, St. Mary's of the Lake. So the girls were on one side, guys were on the other. I knew who she was. Believe me, I knew who she was. <laughs> She's beauty. Uh, she had no idea who I was, and a friend set us up. And now, 40 plus years later, uh, we're still very, very uh, blissful with one another and uh, living a joy-filled marriage. Uh, we have two children, um, both 
thankfully live in the in the Phoenix area now with you know near us so we still, still have our family close to us I was uh, a cradle I am a cradle Catholic you know I, I was very very blessed to have you know just uh, two awesome parents who who put faith forward you know who, who made it important in, in the family life um, so I went to Catholic grade school Catholic high school as, as I mentioned as well um, I do have kind of like I say people would say conversion story of source, but it's more, I would call a reversion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, again, I was very blessed to be brought up in this family. We went to church every Sunday, you know, I can still remember that we always like good Catholics sat in the same pew every day or every Sunday. It was the second pew center row, you know, towards the left end. And I even remember still my, my dad, you know, every three seconds, you know, he would lean forward and back. And I don't know if he ever caught me, but I would be there imitating him. And um, again, we, they were very involved. We always had priests and nuns over at our house. My parents were hosting a get together. There'd be relatives, friends and priests and nuns. So I was just surrounded, you know, in in this great environment uh, of the Catholic faith. And then for me, when I got to um, college, um, I developed some questions about my faith, you know, questions, um, kind of had my little mini treatise, you know, my problems with the church. And I made a, a, a crucial error. Yeah. At that time, I took all my questions, my issues or whatever, and I went to the right. I had friends that were playing on a evangelical church's softball team. They invited me to, to play on their team. One thing leads to another, and then suddenly I'm there, you know, in the in the evangelical church, a small little little church, uh, non-denominational. And trust me, they had answers for my questions. I mean, anything that, that I would hit them with in the matter of seconds, there was an answer. And, you know, I was so impressed that, that they would point to the Bible. You know, I think we've all had that experience. And again, God bless these people. Mm-hmm. Their intentions were good. They really, I think, deep down felt like they were doing the right thing. And believe me, you know, within this church, you know, getting a Catholic and converting a Catholic was a kind of a major <laughs> deal for them. Um, but thankfully, very thankfully, <clears throat> I was like the parable, the, the seed and the sower. I was the seed that fell on rocky soil. I was there two years. And after a while, I was just like, yeah, this isn't clicking. There's, there's some loose ends here, you know, in what they're teaching and things like that. So. I finally did what I should have done from the beginning. I went to the Catholic church. I went back to my parish and this was kind of the Holy Spirit's intervention. I made an appointment to see their, the associate pastor. Turns out I go there, I meet with him and it is the priest that taught me my junior and senior year in high school who I just loved. In fact, he, he, he fanned the flame of my faith because he, he taught, you know, he, he's a Carmelite priest. He, he taught, both spiritual and the intellectual side of, 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 of the faith. And I just love that. And boom, there, there he was. And I'm sure both Devin and Matt, you are very, I know you're very aware of this. The, the well of, of knowledge is deep in the Catholic faith. There are answers to just to any question you can think of. And he gave me those answers. So I returned to the church. I came back. In fact, I remember that, that Sunday, when I first came back, going down the church, you know, going down, you know, it's kind of on, on a you know, little slant. I saw my parents in, in their pew. I went up behind my dad, tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, 
I'm back. And my father turns to me and he says, I was just praying for your return. So it was just like, hmm. man. What a moment. This, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, right now I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about that because, the, the, you know, two pe people I don't want to let down in this life, you know, is my God and my father, yeah. you know, both yeah. fathers. Um, but here's the, here's the bit about, you know, the bit of this, the, the story too, that, that some people maybe relate to my, my two year detour, you know, ding me, I call it dinging me, even though I was back, I still retained a lot of what I was taught and learned over there. Most especially when it came to our mother, I pray to her every day, asking her to forgive me for my, my neglect for, so to speak. And also of course, the Eucharist, I was back in the church for a number of years but believed that again the eucharist was not the body blood soul and divinity of our lord but rather the protestant teaching that it was a symbol in fact i went out and taught my children this when they were making their first communion um that it's just a symbol you got to remember what god did for you i held back from my my little precious ones the reality of the eucharist so anyways obviously one could uh, ascertain that I found my way back from that, you know, here I am, then I have a book, an apologetic book at that, you know, on the Eucharist. So again, I'm on my knees saying my Lord and my God when it comes to the Eucharist, and I'm on, on a mission, I'm on a, a, a passionate mission to promulgate the, this truth. So definitely a reversion. But again, I, I know I'm going on and on here, but I, I'll say this, you know, that detour, you know, why we look at that and said that was uh, too bad. I think the Lord has used me because again, my experience, you know, in that environment has really prepared me in my role as a deacon or just even as a Christian man to interact with other people who are coming from a Protestant, you know, point of view or something like that to, to be able to relate to them, to understand them better and articulate uh, the truth of the Catholic faith, you know, to them as well. Mm. What a journey. Uh, men, for those of you just tuning in, this is a program, Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, I'm Matt Palmer, one of the co-hosts. I'm joined by Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph, uh, our other co-host. This is a production of St. Gabriel Radio in the, in the Diocese of Columbus and um, with coverage all through the state of Ohio. And we're talking with Deacon Dennis Lambert, uh, we're, I've learned a little bit about his story, his kind of reversion into the faith. And Devin, I'm just, I'm struck by uh, Dennis's story. I'm struck by the blessing he had um, with a, a Catholic upbringing. But then, like many of us, um, this, this detour. And uh, talk about, Devin, your reaction as you're listening to Dennis's, um, you know, kind of story. What, what strikes you as significant here so far? Well, yeah, the detour, as you say, is is God's will. It's not an accident, even though we might, you know, you can hear a lot of people saying, whoa, it's God's will that this this Dennis deacon, well, he wasn't a deacon at the time, left the church, and he joins this evangelical non-denominational church. But yet, I believe that it isn't an accident. God willed it, just like he willed for the Israelites to go through the desert, just like he willed for Jacob to flee from Esau, you know, just like Abraham, you know, taking Hagar, you know, instead of Sarah, you know, for his wife, you know, he allows these things so that we can develop a deeper appreciation and experience that gives us a true wisdom of God and a true charity from God that, so it's very interesting, just like St. Paul was against the Christians, he ends up becoming 
for the Christians. He becomes the greatest apostle and evangelist for the Christians. And so Dennis goes into this non-denominational church. He gets all of his answers, so to speak, against the Eucharist, against the Blessed Virgin Mary. But then he returns home and then he becomes the apostle for the Eucharist in writing this book on the Eucharist, you know, uh, I, I can't remember what's, what it's called, for real. For real. And so here we, yeah, so we have, that's what God, God allows this so that we can actually grow. A lot of people say, no, God didn't will that. No, it's God's will that Dennis grew through these experiences so he can share with us the fruit of that wisdom that God gave him through all of that. So God bless you, Dennis. Yeah, what a beautiful, Thank you. and what a beautiful insight, um, Devin, that we, the mystery of our own will and sometimes how we choose um, something that uh, is against God's will um, and, and in some sense, and yet in another way, how he takes that and makes it his will and uses it to form and shape us for a greater plan, a greater glory, a greater purpose. And um, the mystery of our will and his will coming together um, uh, to bring about the kingdom of God and to honor him, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing and, uh, and kind of uh, almost incredible thing. And that's, that's our Lord. Um, well, Dennis, thank you for this, for sharing with us that journey. I think let's, let's kind of move on. We really want to get into, um, some, some parts of your life that are more recent reflecting your call of the diaconate, um, some books that you've written. So let's fast forward. Obviously you're now here. You are 60. Uh, uh, you have how many grandchildren now? Three. Three. three grandkids. So yeah. two grown children, three grandchildren. You and Debbie are, are living a beautiful life. Uh, I'm assuming you're retired from whatever secular occupation you had. Is that right? Yes. I spent uh, about 30 years in the in the pharmaceutical industry, and uh, I've actually retired. Uh, I've been ordained now. It will be eight years in November. And six months after I was ordained, uh, I retired the Lord. Not that we're rolling in the dough, so to speak, but we've, you know, we, we, we ascertained that we could actually afford to retire somewhat early. And I actually remember like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give myself over to the service of the church. And I recall being very worried at that time. Will there be work for me? Will my day be filled? Is, from some of your older people that are listening, you may remember the commercials with the Maytag repairman. Yeah. I was like, will that be me just waiting to, you know, for something to do? Well, let me tell you, for anyone who wants something to do, the church will give you stuff to do. And I've been very blessed. It's, you know, I have certainly uh, in my my role as a, a financial advisor, I see that all the time with my on fire Catholic clients that. Uh, you know, our firm helps them see a financial path to perhaps retiring early or retiring at a normal time. But how much how much beautiful ministry and work and life there is after kind of a secular retirement. So so good for you. And Devin, yeah, Matt, you know, that's exactly what we did. We, we hunkered down with our guy, our yeah. financial advisor and butterflies in your stomach. And he was very good. He's reassuring. No, trust me. You know, you got you guys are, are, are good to go. And yeah, so we trusted. Yeah. In him and the Lord. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, Devin, let's just stop there for a moment, because I know your work with men, uh, my work with men, our ministries, um, you know, to to empower men to fully step into a greater calling uh, that involves, uh, you know, more time and service to our Lord and his church and to other men. It, it, it can be, um, that can be a nervous time, but what a beautiful time. I mean, you said yes to that. You had to leave a, a beautiful career as an entrepreneur in the graphics industry and 
you know, you've stepped into full-time ministry at a much younger age. Maybe share with our listeners just a little bit. Let's just stop right there and talk about the yes that Dennis has given and the yes that, that we, I think, would all encourage men to consider. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an adventure. It's dangerous and risky. Obviously, there's calculated risks. We, you know, there's a lot of people who just jump out, you know, without, you know, seeking the Lord and His will in the matter, and that's dangerous. We, we need to be seeking the Lord's face and what His will is for our lives. But at the same time, we can't lie to ourselves because we have the tendency to take the path of least resistance. We have the tendency to remain comfortable. And God, if, if God is who He is, He always, inevitably, He's going to take us to a path that does not have a lot of comfort in order to get us to become the men that we're called to be. And, you know, you look at Moses and leading the Israelites to the desert, very uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, very uncomfortable. And yet that was part of that story for them to become the chosen race, that chosen people of God. And so the Messiah can be born from that line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it it involves risk, but it's got to be prudential. It's got to be sought in prayer, counsel with a spiritual director, you know? Yep. Amen. Well, let's. Uh, so you said yes to the great adventure of the diaconate. You said, and you said yes to the great adventure of of kind of full time ministry, um, and 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 part of your ministry now has been some books. And I want to start with the first book, or I want to actually start with yeah. Let's start with the table. It's a fictional um, uh, account, uh, and let, just give us a quick overview of that because I then really want to move us to um, your most recent release of For Real, Christ's Presence in the Eucharist. But just talk a little bit about The Table, your first work of fiction. Sure. Uh, It's a book, as the name talks about, there is a table. The table is is actually built by the grandfather of Jesus. The story follows that that table throughout time. Basically, we learn that Jesus played under that table. That table made it to the wedding feast at Cana, was right in front of the, the water jugs that they were turned into wine. The table made it to his scourging. That's where the 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 the, the um, soldiers placed their whips and things like that. And the apostles realized just how important this table is after Jesus is uh, um, leaves and and uh, uh, ascends to heaven. And so they they assigned somebody called what they call a table bearer, and it's actually a centurion. Cornelius, uh, not the actual Cornelius, but his name is Cornelius. He is a centurion who came to believe in Christ. And he brings this table to the once the apostles are out doing their God and they're spreading the gospel in different areas. They bring the table to each of the the, the apostles and their, and their communities, and it's kind of like a, like a relic. And the table bearer continues generation after generation related to that one centurion, and it follows the table all the way to modern times, where the most where the most current table bearer is an autistic young man named named Anthony. Um, Along running juxtaposed with that story is the story of a man in, in modern times who loses his wife. Um, they had uh, they were in a musical band at one time. They were really good, they, but they kind of gave up this dream of making it. And then suddenly, out of the blue, they get a break um, at the at the you know pinnacle of that that day where all of a sudden they're they're breaking through and there's going to be a path for them in the industry. His wife dies, so he's crushed. He's devastated. And basically, his road to recovery, he he somehow meets that the table bearer of today, and through the grace of that interaction, the table, he finds his way back to life, so to speak. Wow. 
You know, Devin, I know you've written so much. I'm just, for some reason, I'm just drawn to the power of, of our tables, the table of our family, the table of dinner and gathering together, the table of, um, you know, the table of our Lord, uh, the Last Supper. Um, I'm just, I'm just drawn to this. Uh, I want to move to Christ's presence in the Eucharist, the more recent book. But Devin, any, any just uh, quick reflections on, on this novel that, uh, that Dennis released a few years ago? Where do I get it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where do I get it? Well, of course, the quick answer to that is Amazon. Is your... <laughs> I love that. But powerful, right, De- Devin? I mean, the, the notion of, of yeah. table has always been a part of our Lord's um, his life. And here we are every, every, every time we go to Holy Mass, the table where our Lord becomes both priest and sacrificial lamb. Uh, what a beautiful, mm-hmm. what a beautiful story and um, novel. I'm going to get it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Christ's greatest moments, teaching moments were around food and around a table. Right. Yeah. And I think that's our greatest moments as fathers and husbands. Um, so, man, I think Absolutely. all of us can uh, even take from this book. What is what is the power of the table in your life? The the center of your kitchen, your dining room, where your family gathers, and where do you how do, how can you see that as a place where you, um, as a leader of your family, can form your family in Christ and for Christ? And um, let's let's make the power of the table. Let's let's use Dennis's uh, novel to kind of spur us on to thinking about. Uh, the tables in our lives. Um, let's go to let's go to your newest book, um, "For Real," with a question mark and an exclamation mark after it. Christ's presence in the Eucharist, and you know, why did you write it, Dennis? And uh, what do you hope the book will accomplish for all of us out here that are Catholics uh, trying to live each day um, for Christ, failing but but trying to get back up and do it again? So, talk to us about your motivation to write it. Yeah, that was the perfect question, Matt, as a as a lead in. Uh, first of all, part of the reason for writing it is my own personal story, as we talked about. Uh, so really, the purpose was twofold. You know, my experience, you know, uh, and, and search for truth in the, in the Eucharist and also just the raw data that's out there about just how many people, you know, Catholics as a whole and even practicing Catholics, you know, who do not believe in the real presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. Many people are familiar with the pre, the Pew research that was done or survey that was done um, in 2019, which one of the, the, the alarming bits of data that came from that is when they looked at people who attend mass regularly, every Sunday churchgoers, um, it found that about one third of those people did not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, some people scoff at the data saying, hey, the sample size wasn't that large or the question was skewed towards negative answers. All the same, if you even half that or third that, that's just that's too much. In other words, there is such a need both you know, for our Protestant brothers and sisters, but also within the church itself to promulgate this truth. I mean, face it, what is the source and summit of our faith? The Eucharist. If there's anything that needs to be evangelized, and again, St. John Paul II, when he talks about the new evangelization, he's saying the mission field is right in front of us, our neighborhoods and our very pews. So that's the, the, the primary motivation. There is such a need. And again, on top of this, I didn't know this when I, when I, when I wrote this last year, that the Eucharistic revival was coming around the corner. That was mm-hmm. divine intervention, mm-hmm. good timing for the book. I think it's selling pretty well maybe because of that. But, you know, there's just such such a need for the book 
And so what, what, what also makes it a little unique from other apologetics, you know, is a metaphor I use of the relay race, but just kind of jumping to the, to the end here, um, it also gives a, a, a method, a simple way to present this truth, the average man being able to take this truth and pass it on to another. Because again, you'll find a lot of people, a lot of men are very, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, especially when you talk about the Eucharist, it is such a deep topic, you know, how can I go on to explain it? It's a mystery. How do you explain a mystery? Well, I give a little way of doing that, that, that takes us what's perceived as a very complex topic, complex, complex theology, and we'll look down to, here's how you can actually articulate the, this truth. I love this. Devin, um, we're down to just about two minutes, but you know, some reflections as you think about your work with men. This is a powerful understanding that when men don't have this understanding, their ability to have the, the, the grace and the life, the divine life of our Lord in them is, is hampers their ability to, to, to answer the call that God's given them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to be a real man, I have to have the God man within me. I mean, you are what yes. you eat, you know? And right. so if we are consuming the Lord Jesus, we're going to be consumed by love for him. I think this is the difficulty for us men is that we're in a, in a difficult position because at one time in the same, we're both bridegroom and bride, right? So as the bride of the church, we receive from the bridegroom his body and blood. And so that puts us in this kind of like strange position where we feel receptive, maybe a little bit weak, all of that. But it's necessary because the only way that we can be real bridegrooms and real men who are capable of being warrior lovers is if we allow ourselves to be loved first as the bride. And that's where the Eucharist really comes in for us men. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it holds us accountable. So I think, I think that for me, the Eucharist is everything. Jesus's body and blood is the source of my life, of my strength. And I'm looking forward to reading this book. I am too. I am too. Deacon Dennis, um, you know, thank you for what you've shared today. It's powerful. Um, we're so blessed to have you on this program. And there's a lot of listeners, guys uh, out there that are listening. I think today we've really heard a lot about the power of the table. We've heard a lot about the power of um, Christ's true presence in the Eucharist as essential to our calling as Catholic men, fathers, husbands. Um, and so let's take away from this, this program with, with Deacon Dennis Lambert um, an understanding that we need to lead our families to Christ, but first we need to make sure that we're receiving him in the fullness of his, of his divine presence, body, blood, soul, divinity. Um, Dennis, thank you so much. Devin, as always, thank you. St. Gabriel Radio, we're blessed to have them as a partner. And uh, all, of, all of you men listening out there, make it a wonderful day. Serve our Lord with joy and, uh, and be a vessel of his grace in the world. God bless you, everybody. Take care.